Hello, my name is Lloyd and I am in sunny Perthshire today. A beautiful setting for this passage we're going to look at, which is Acts chapter 5, verses 12 to 16. Many signs and wonders done. We're journeying through the book of Acts, as we have done through the Gospel of John in previous years. Just taking each section, each little paragraph, as it was divided up originally, and just looking at it and what God might say to us. So Lord, would you speak to us? Would you awaken our hearts to what you might say through this very small passage? Would you powerfully impact us and grab hold of us in your mighty name, Lord Jesus? So previously, we had this very uncomfortable situation concerning Ananias and Sapphira, who both ended up dead after trying to deceive the apostles, leaving the early church in great fear as they heard what had happened. And today we're going to get back again, to, I guess, to the, to, the, to the rapid progress of the church, which has been filling the earlier chapters, their prolific and powerful ministry that the apostles were displaying as they perform many signs and wonders as God empowers them. So we had began the chapter with a but, it says, yeah, but a man, a man named Ananias. And we paused to hear that story of him and his wife, Sapphira. And we're going to pick up the story again with a now as the pace quickens again. So let's read it out. Acts chapter 5, verse 12 to 16. Now, many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So it says that there were many signs. They were not few and far between or rare, but they were done regularly. There was a constant flow of God's powerful presence at work amongst the, amongst the church. Everyone observed them. Everyone witnessed them. There was no secrecy needed. There was no secrecy possible. There was no attempt made to, to hide this or contain it or keep it in a certain area or amongst a certain amount of people, a certain group of people. No, this boiled over and the pot ran over. Notably, the action is still happening at the temple. It says this is all happening at, the, at Solomon's portico, the temple, where the, the lame beggar had been healed previously. And it seems that God is, is still wanting to honor something of the existing structures, the arrangements that were in place previously, um, rather than just dispensing of them in a hurry to bring in the new wineskin for the new wine he's about to pour in, which he obviously will do. But he seems to just work gently and slowly with the, the early church and, and there seems to be this mixing with the old and new. So many, because so many people are witnessing these miracles, there's no doubt about their authenticity. The proof is for all to see, and that's so regular and so copious. 
that there is no doubt God is at work here. So instead of focusing on proving themselves or needing to prove themselves or the genuineness of their signs and wonders and having to have an explanation each time, the apostles give their energy instead to serving the people. And maybe this is why the signs and miracles are so frequent, so, so, so natural, even though they are supernatural. We can often stumble in our efforts to, to witness and evangelize in our society and our settings because we want God to get on board with our agenda, our plans, our mission. Instead, we should look at what these disciples, they just got on with what God had called them to. They got on with His mission and God powerfully came alongside that and authenticated it. <clears throat> so the miracles were done amongst the people. The, the intent was to serve, to heal, um, not to contain at any, in, in, any, in any sense. And it says that none of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. So they did this in such a way that Everyone held in high esteem. This has been done so well because God is, God, God is so present amongst these apostles. The effect of what happened to Ananias, however, and Sapphira causes a sense of, you know, causes this, there's, you know, we don't want to join you guys. <laughs> it's, 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 you know, so there's this respectful honoring, um, and, but at the same time, high esteem. So no one just casually joins them or assumes a role amongst them. Rather, people are seeing this, they're watching it, but they, and they're, they are saying, this is, this is a work of God. This is definitely God at work. And often we think signs and wonders must, you know, must, you know because, of, because of the nature of them, they, they drive people away. They're weird and they, they need an explanation because they're so out of the ordinary. Or someone might be offended, or the church maybe doesn't do that. They don't allow that. They... They want things in a nice structured way and do this, five minutes of that, two minutes of that, keep to the script. Um, and so we don't expect great things from God, nor do we even attempt great things for him. So when we exclude God from his church, there's almost like a dull silence, a, a frozenness, a, a, an, an apathetic mood that falls upon that church and nothing really happens, nothing moves forward. The life drains away from that church family. And there's almost like a, a settling in to a substandard sort of existence. It's not living anymore, it's just existing. We're just doing these things, going through the motions. And it's tempting to leave signs and wonders and miracles out of our current experience as something that God displayed only at the beginning of his early church as it entered onto the stage but not something for today this position can be quite difficult because it means preaching things that we don't actually believe or not preaching them and having to use incredible gymnastic abilities to sort of snatch at scraps that are left over whilst avoiding the core central themes and everything that requires God himself to, 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 to come in power with his miraculous presence. And so we tend to focus on man-centered things that are possible, humanly speaking, and exclude God from the equation. And there's, you know, it's important to see that there's no sense in the, in the biblical narrative or the epistles that God would 
wait so long, thousands of years, to set up his, his, his early church, to set up this New Testament church, pour his Holy Spirit into her after the, 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 the dreadful cross, the crucifixion of Jesus, and his wonderful resurrection. All of that, just to have a few decades only of God at work empowering his church. Rather, if we look at the, the trajectory of church history, there's this ever-increasing sense of God's involvement, His power, His purposes, um, miracles and signs, almost scaling up as the work of the church encounters not only the, the Jewish world, but the Gentiles in an ever-increasing way across the world to the ends of the earth. So these signs and wonders demonstrate and also authenticate God's, God's work very convincingly. And so we do better to be a trusting, if even semi-naive people, rather than a cynical and suspicious and doubtful and faithless people, always comparing to what we need to be always comparing to what we've seen in biblical accounts. And if we do that, we'll be tremendously encouraged, amazed, needing God for every step of church life. Sometimes what is known as the cessationist position, which, which means in, a sense, uh, in essence that we don't expect any, any of the miraculous, anything outside of the ordinary to happen in today. So the, the, the gifts of the Spirit, the um, God's, you know, we shouldn't expect to see people being healed or people to be raised from the dead or um, any remarkable work of God. It's just, let's just preach the gospel and see what happens. But don't really expect God's presence and power to, to come alongside that. And that position can often understandably be driven by previous disappointment or excesses and it's easier to just pack it up and throw it all away rather than doing the hard work of discerning God's, God's heart, God's work through imperfect vessels and perfect people. And so we can often then either say or create a culture where signs and wonders, healings, the gifts of the Spirit, the freedom of the early church are only for super-Christians or weird Christians, but not for normal experience, not for everyday Spirit-filled believers in a Spirit-filled church community. But just remember how it's mere weeks ago that these apostles who are now doing these, these miracles and signs and wonders we're not so deserving of the title of an apostle. Some were worse than others, but they were all in general despicably incapable, doubtful and feeble, denying Jesus and doing much worse. These miracles, you might say, are performed by a different set of apostles who are now all recently filled with God's Holy Spirit. They've encountered the risen Christ and they've only recently been restored to their proper place in the church. So don't discount yourself from being a servant of God, being used by God in some miraculous way. You do not have to be a superior class of Christian, some sort of super believer to do God's work. You just need to trust and obey God, listen for his prompting, see what he's doing. See what God is up to. That's what Jesus said. I do only what I see the Father doing. It is His work. It's God's work. It's His signs. It's 
his wonders if he chooses to to demonstrate them it's his church it's it's not ours it's got nothing to do with ours except that we're part of it we are the vessels he is the power he is the voice we are the mouth he is the strength we are just the arm he is he is the hand inside the glove us just being the glove which on its own is just a flappy piece of clothing and it says more than ever believers were added to the lord multitudes of both men and women so you have the scribes pharisees and sadducees in the sort of sense of a, a decreasing um less powerful role being phased out whilst the early church bounds and leaps and um, there's a sense of increasing power and joy and confidence as they embrace God's plan and his person and his power and his, and his presence amongst them. So these two worlds, one kingdom is, is, is sort of fizzling out, the, the old scribes and Pharisees and the religious elite and that whole system is being replaced as it was a shadow and now the reality is coming forth. And here is God's spirit-filled community, has called out people. And it says here that, that you know, it, when we read this, we see that God has chosen to authenticate his church by working mightily amongst them. Which means that I guess a key requirement for God's church is that God is present amongst them. If God's not present, then that's not a church. If God's not there amongst that group of people, if they've abandoned him, if they, if they, if they don't trust and believe in him, then that's not, a, that's not a believing people. Here it says believers were added regularly frequently that's what christianity is not primarily doing of course there's lots of things to be done but it starts off with believing that's where the roots are believe in the lord jesus and you will be saved and that's what we explored in the gospel of john and earlier in the book of acts so the effects of what happened to ananias and sapphira only serves to grow the church you think that sort of a scandal might stop the church everyone stops going but here we see that aided by the powerful evidences of God at work amongst his people, the church instead grows. The growth of the church is notable amongst women. Multitudes of women are flooding in. And we saw during Jesus' ministry, his life, how he honored women in his ministry. He protected women who were in danger when they were subject to harmful situations. He stood up for the rights of women when they were put down or downtrodden, ignored and despised. The Jewish religious elite were often recorded, as we saw in the Gospels, as taking advantage of widows, trying to manipulate situations to, to tear people down, um, the vulnerable. Um, Jesus, in stark, stark contrast, empowered, lifted up ladies in his ministry. Those that he met in the course of his life, he empowered, strengthened, freed, and gave them a place in his ministry. This was evidenced by these multitudes of women being drawn into the early church. They sensed a freedom, they sensed an openness, they sensed the grace of God upon them. When, when they looked back to Judaism and the, that, that system where, where they were essentially rejected and um, treated very badly in some in some circumstances or used you remember that time when jesus um where that that woman caught in adultery was brought before jesus and they were essentially using her for their own ends trying to manipulate a situation to to bring down jesus but jesus so redeemed the situation that that woman was not only restored forgiven and and um and brought back into in, you know into the fullness of her life but 
the Pharisees and the scribes, they were just, they were just told off. They, were, they melted away from embarrassment. Jesus dealt with her sin, but he also restored her. So the woman in the early Jewish system, they, they, they complied with the religious ceremonies, but they, they felt drawn into this early church. Jesus and his, his followers, they were enthusiastically, joyfully and, f and freely brought in to this, to this early church and the freedom that they had. Jesus attracted sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, children were comfortable with him, women were comfortable with him, those who were outcasts, demon-possessed, leprous, you name it, Jesus drew them into his early church. They were not a problem to be solved, but people to be loved and cared for. The religious elite saw women as not suitable for roles in the church or to be, to be discipled or to be invested in, to be of service to, to, to the wider church and, and society. Um, Jesus came and smashed that model of, of ministry and he instead exalted women. He gave them strength and empowered them. He restored them to their role in the church. He opened up the door to this resultant early church growth that we read about today, where all the women, multitudes are coming in. They felt engaged, they felt joyful. They had this, this joyful participation with, from all these women. They all came in joyfully and enthusiastically. And there's always room for more people to be added to God's church. A church that feels like it's a club and only for insiders of, of people who sort of know the lingo or know the list of things, know the rules and know the inside language. That's often a church that's left behind the core calling of the gospel church, which, which is to seek and save the lost, just like Jesus came to do. Jesus has a role for every believer in his body, his bride, his church. So... Why don't you today join in the action? Be devoted to Jesus' body, his church, his bride, your church. It says, they, so that they even carried out, out, the, out into the streets people and laid them on cots and mats that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. So this early church really did care for the business of the city, they cared for the people of the city, they cared for the illnesses, they cared, they cared that they would be made whole. They tended to the needs of this broken world in such a loving, caring and powerful way that God just really came amongst them. The city came to the disciples of Jesus to be cared for and healed. They were drawn to this loving, grace-filled community, powerfully at work. They had seen how those ruling the temple had treated the lame beggar, which we covered in earlier chapters, and so many others during the last three years where, the, where Jesus had healed someone on a Sabbath and the scribes and Pharisees, all they have to say is, that was done on the wrong day. And they had also seen, in contrast, how Jesus was so compassionate, even for, for, to those with leprosy and dangerous diseases, contagious diseases or situations like demon possession, dead people. It was this that drew the crowds, not the structures and the committees and the titles and the pomp and the power and the position of those in the religious elite. Peter, 
who once disowned Jesus is so owned by Jesus that even his shadow, it seems, not even his touch, but just his shadow heals. The people want to be so near to this group of disciples. It says that they, they gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. They were all healed is quite a strong statement. And that's this, these, these afflicted people with an unclean spirit. Let's say, I don't know, maybe demon-possessed or some sort of diff, really difficult affliction. The early church dealt with them. They didn't put them out and say, go over there or you're not our problem send them off to the hospital or whatever which can be helpful of course but this early church got their hands dirty and they dealt with these people they had them alongside them they loved them and cared for them they healed them so should not this be our normal current every day every week experience clearly it was the norm in the early church when Jesus set up his church so are you expecting and experiencing God's powerful presence moving in signs and wonders in your church? Are you seeing multitudes added, believing in Jesus to the church? Lord, would you do this now? Would you do it right now, even as we listen to this? I just pray, Lord Jesus, for anyone listening to us, they would cap capture your heart for their communities, that they would see you working powerfully amongst them. Would there be a, a, a degree of freedom as your church embraces your plans, purpose, your calling for them in this generation. Amen.